0: Good morning. This is James with 77 Financial Group. You're listening to 15 Minutes of Finance. Where in the next 15 minutes. I'm going to get you excited about investing. Let's do it. All right. All right. All right. Happy Wednesday to all of you out there. We have some stuff going on in the news. We got earnings reports. We got bills getting passed. We've got market news. Uh, Before I do that, let's do the term of the day, which is going to be an earnings call. So companies have earnings calls. Uh, usually public companies, but private companies do it within their uh, their knit group as well. But an earnings call is a conference call between the management of a public company, analysts, investors, and the media to discuss the company's financial results during a re- given reporting period, such as a quarter or a fiscal year. An earnings call is usually preceded by an earnings report, which contains summary information on financial performance for the period. So this is uh, this is probably one of my favorite th- parts. Of owning a company is the earnings call, the earnings report. Uh, and I know for most people, it's probably extremely, like, extremely boring. But when a company has earnings calls, earnings reports, you get to see where your investment went. So, okay, I buy into Apple. Let's see what did Apple do with all this, uh, with all my investment. And you can basically see where you can track the money, I guess you could say. And obviously you want a good earnings report and growth is always what you want for the most part. There's obviously certain situations like dividend companies, but that's why earnings calls are important because you can see the money. You can see the trail, track the money. Uh, And really all that is, is, hey, this is how good we did this quarter. It's money in, money out, uh, product in, product out. So earnings call, remember it, use it, speak with it at dinner table. You'll sound sophisticated. Okay, what is happening in the news today? Uh, U.S. stock futures are a little changed as investors focus on the stage of third quarter earnings season and key inflation data out this morning. Ahead of the data, yields on the 10-year Treasury note have held steady at 1.58. Stocks edged lower in Europe and were mixed in Asia. Markets in Hong Kong were closed due to a typhoon, so uh, prayers up for Hong Kong out there. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase reported third cur- third. Jeez, guys, it's a rough morning for me. J.P. Morgan Chase reported third quarter earning results this morning. The nation's largest bank beat Wall Street analysts estimates on both profits and revenues with better than expected loan losses. The KBW Bank Index has rallied nearly 40% this year as treasury yields have risen and the Federal Reserve has become more hawkish. The U.S. Labor Department will release the CPI, Consumer Price Index, for September. It is expected to rise 0.3% after a similar rise in August. The core CPI, excluding food and energy prices, is likely to have increased 0.2% after a 0.1% rise in August. Later, the Federal Open Market Committee will release the minutes for its September monetary policy meeting. Investors will be looking for more clues about the central bank's plan to taper its bond-buying program. Oil prices have stabilized, with U.S. crude oils holding above $80 a barrel. Uh, yeah, okay, so what's the best part about that? It's J.P. Morgan Chase. It's the world's biggest bank. Um, I hold my own personal money at Chase. I hold client money at Schwab. And Charles Schwab and Chase have a relationship. I'm actually not sure in what capacity, if Charles Schwab owns Chase or if Chase owns Charles Schwab. I actually, I actually don't know that. Uh, but big fan of Chase. I think they take better care of their clients. Uh, all banks are corrupt, in my opinion. So that's not saying much. But uh, if you got to pick the lesser of the evils, I, that's what I, that's what I went with. So let's go over the headlines today. We got some exciting stuff and some boring stuff too. But the boring stuff is still important, guys. Don't forget that. Right. The, Biden, the Biden administration will unveil a plan aimed at easing delays at the port of Los Angeles by expanding operations around the clock. FedEx, UPS, Walmart, Home Depot, Home Depot and others will announce expanding hours of operation during a virtual meeting with the White House. Um, OK, yeah, that's I mean, I don't know how much you guys have heard about the airline issues. So this past weekend um, or I guess it was Monday. Did I travel Monday? I think I traveled Monday. I was in Atlanta, and I was traveling back to Arizona where I live, and almost everything was delayed. Almost everything. So they blamed it on the weather. They said uh, it was un, you know, unsafe, unsuitable weather for flying. And what it really was is their, their pilots and their flight attendants were boycotting. Because they were about to mandate the vaccine, and these pilots were like, "We're not taking the vaccine. If you can't fly without us, we're not worried about you." So, over three thousand of them got together, uh, and I think this this headline is talking about um, ports, as in not airports, but ports for for uh, ocean traffic. So, obviously, the coasts and whatnot. But I just that got me thinking about good for the pilots for being able to to work together like that. Uh, again, guys, I don't have. I have no political bias when it comes to this stuff. I'm here to give you guys news and try and make much, as much money as possible. But when I can see a group of workers with a, with a massive, massive corporation like these airlines are, these group of workers pool together and almost sort of flex on the, on the, the bigger owners and the bigger operation companies, that gives me joy because it just proves that together we can do stuff. We, we, can, we can overcome All right, that's my motivational speech for the day. Let's keep it going here. Um, So a deal to increase the U.S. debt ceiling passed the U.S. House of Representatives. The increase that will last through early December now heads to President Biden for his signature. Hopefully he signs that as fast as possible. Uh, Squid Game is Netflix's biggest series after topping 100 million viewers. The series smashed previous records held by Bridgerton. Okay, guys, I've talked about this multiple, multiple times, I think. Squid Game is one of the best... Shows I've seen on Netflix and it is you 100% have to binge it. I, I don't think this is if this came out like Lost or like The Walking Dead where it happened every every week or so people would lose their minds. I don't think it would be as popular as it is a squid game. It's a Korean show. So it's subtitled. And obviously there <laughs> the acting probably isn't up to par, but the entire storyline you will you will fall in love with it. It's it's definitely a thinker. Uh, and another show you guys c- should consider is Alice in Borderland. Uh, Alice, A-L-I-C-E, in Borderland. It's probably better than Squid Game. It's just less popular as far as uh, the people's opinions go. It's just less less seen. But it's also on Netflix. Okay, so let's talk about the main thing I wanted to talk about today. The U.S. is now the top destination for Bitcoin miners, according to new data from Cambridge University, overtaking China for the first time. So uh, I, I guess I owe you guys not necessarily an apology because I kind of covered my trails, but I'm changing my opinion on cryptocurrencies. Now, I don't want to call them cryptocurrencies because I don't like viewing them as cryptocurrencies. That was probably part of my initial uh, resentment or disdain for them. Now, guys, whenever I... And I want to start calling them digital digital coins, digital assets. That's what I want to start calling them, digital assets. You hold assets, you don't hold currencies. So that's why I wanted to say that. Or I want to change that perceptive as far as I'm concerned. The way that I was raised in this industry, one was cutthroat. It was, if you're not killing, you're getting killed. So that was terrible. So everything I, I had to learn, I had to learn quickly. I had to absorb it fast and I had to commit it to memory. And the second thing is that it's a cult. And what I mean by it's a cult is this industry, they want you to sell stocks, bonds, annuities, insurance. That's it. And that's because all of these old heads that run the finance, the investment world, I mean, geez, they've been doing it for 40, 50 years. You know, don't uh, don't fix it if it ain't broken kind of attitude. So when these new assets come in, these new investment opportunities, they are extremely, extremely standoffish towards it. To the point where they're they're like they'll lie and say things aren't as, as valuable as they really are. And I adopted that with cryptocurrency. So I, I will admit that I took that stand that it's not worth anything, they're not valuable. And I can tell you now, especially just this last week, I wanted to understand cryptocurrency, digital assets. I wanted to understand it. So I dove in just this last week, trying to understand what they are, why anybody would want to use them, why there's value in them. And I can tell you, I feel like they're valuable. Uh, And I don't know to what extent they're valuable, um, but I did personally invest some money in a couple of them this last week. And it's, uh, I don't want to speak too much on it yet, just because I don't want to put the cart before the horse. But I just want to let you guys know that I am bullish on digital assets, and a majority of advisors are not. I would say upwards of 95%. And that's just because they're stuck in their old ways. And I'm not going to do that for you guys. I'm not going to be stuck in this rut that I only, you know, don't fix what's not broken, et cetera, et cetera. If there's something new that can, provide value for my clients I want to to understand it and I think digital assets are going to be a big deal in the future I don't know in what capacity but I would like to be prepared and have that knowledge as a fiduciary which just means I have to do the best interest for clients I want to understand these things because if I can have a if I can't have a conversation with a client about it then I'm not really being a fiduciary. I'm not really doing the best for them. So uh, I just want to let you guys know that I do own some digital assets now. I'm going to buy and hold. I'm not you know, looking for upswings. I'm not looking to day trade. I'm going to buy and hold. And it's nothing crazy. It's less than 1% of a portfolio that I would run. So I uh, just wanted to let you guys know that. And I'm going to keep you guys up to date on that world now. I think it's, I think it's important. And moving forward, especially with high net worth clients, I'm probably going to recommend they diversify into digital assets, at least as a sector of their portfolio. Right. So you have utilities, uh, technology, um, uh, food and uh, produce, etc., And then you just would add, OK, digital assets. That's another that's another sector of someone's portfolio. So I want to let you guys know that in case things pop off or if things go to zero. If my money goes to a million dollars in digital assets, I'll let you guys know. If it goes to zero, I'll let you guys know. And I'm going to try and keep keep up with that process because I do think it's valuable and that that's where the world is going. Okay. Let's talk about the big number here. Uh, which is, and again, guys, I get a lot of my information, my, to set up this, this podcast, this article that I read for you, these market, these market news and market headlines. I get them from investopedia. I love investopedia, quick, simple, knowledgeable explanations of very difficult financial terms. So I recommend if you guys are doing your own research, utilize them. So the big number is 34%. That's the percentage of investopedia newsletter readers who believe that the U S stock market will experience a significant drop in the next three months that's a lot of people that's up 10% uh, i think there's over 5 to 10,000 people that read this that re- that use investopedia daily just like myself uh, i don't think they're doing what i'm doing whereas i'm putting articles together and explaining it but i think they're i think they're utilizing it in their own in, either in their firm in their practice or individually so that's up 10 percentage points from our last survey in August, and it reflects the growing anxiety investors are feeling about the stock market given recent volatility and mixed signals in the economy. So I'm looking here, and it looked like in May the... Uh, the A survey said about 24% of people thought there would going to be a significant drop, 24% in May, and now it's 34% in October. So that's, is that disheartening? Yeah, it is, but you, there's going to be doomsayers and woes, woesayers all the time. My opinion is still hold your assets. There's no reason to sell anything. I think buy and hold is almost always, not always, but almost always the best strategy. So let's talk about bubbles, okay? So as for bubbles, our readers identified cryptocurrencies in the U.S. real estate market as the frothiest, followed by stocks, SPAC, NFTs, and commodities. While prices and valuations are high across nearly all asset classes, the surge in commodity prices like coffee, crude oil, and cotton may have the biggest impact on consumer spending going forward. As we know, consumer spending drives around 70% of U.S. GDP. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm looking at this uh another another graph they have here uh and which of the following do you think is in a bubble? They have cryptocurrency at 37, real estate at 37, stocks are at 32. Um uh, yeah, okay. So what if it's a bubble? That's that's my attitude. So what? Like that just cuz it is a bubble doesn't mean it's going to pop. Now obviously you would rather if it's going to be a bubble, you'd rather have it be a like sturdy and uh I guess thick Th- dense bubble, thick, dense bubble. That's what you'd rather have. But what I think people picture when they when they hear the word bubble and they say things are in bubbles like the real estate market, they picture it like a soap sud where if you just touch it, it'll pop. I don't necessarily view it that way because bubbles can keep growing. And I know from three years ago, they said cryptocurrency was also in a bubble. So the cool thing about uh, the cool thing, I would say the logical thing the logical point of view to have when people talk about bubbles is even if the bubble pops, can they get another bubble? Can the bubble grow after it pops? It's almost like uh, like scar tissue. If you cut yourself and a scar forms and then you cut yourself again, the skin gets tougher and tougher and tougher. I look at that when I think about bubbles. Can the bubble get bigger and stronger and more dense and durable? Uh, and I think cryptocurrency probably isn't a bubble. Real estate's definitely in a bubble, but I don't think it's popping. Uh, and it might pop. I I could totally be wrong. I, that's, you know, I have no problem admitting that I could be wrong. Uh, but I think watching those, those sentiments from people. So this, like, like it said, um, what did it, what did it say? Um, yeah. So over a thousand people did this, did this uh, survey. 37% of them, 370 p- people. Like, is that really that much? I don't know. You have to take everything with a grain of salt. I think that, it's still worth dollar cost averaging into. And dollar cost averaging is just putting the same amount of money away monthly or yearly or however you want to do it into an asset, right? Sometimes you buy it when it's when it, the stock is down. Sometimes you buy it when the stock is high. But over time, you tend, and this is historically accurate, you tend to be really, really well off doing it that way, investing that way, rather than trying to time the market. I'm not a big timer. I think timing is a dangerous, dangerous game. It's why... 90% of mutual fund managers and investment managers can't beat the market. And we're not trying to beat the market, right? We're just trying to become as wealthy as we can without losing our sanity through all the volatility and, and uh, the the trials over the next 20, 30 years. So guys, that is it for today. I hope you guys got something out of this episode. Give me a shout out. Uh, Email is james at 77financialgroup.com. Instagram is 77financialgroup, I think. <laughs> but reach out to me if you guys want me to cover any topics or have any questions. Again, to summarize this, I'm bullish on crypto, digital assets. I don't know in what capacity. I don't know enough to put client money into it yet, but I will. And I'm excited about it. It's going to be an interesting and exciting experience, uh, learning experience for me. Okay, guys, I'm a whole minute over. As always, invest early, invest often. We'll see you later.